How do you know you're in a bull market? Well, one of the biggest tech stocks is down almost 10% in the queues are in the green. We got big winners and big losers today. It's Thursday. It's pre-market prep, and we got a little surprise for you guys. Let's go, Aaron. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're flat here in the S&Ps, down three-quarters of a handle uh, at uh, 48.9775. The buck is up a few pennies. Bonds barely green. Crude over 75 bucks, up 59 cents at 75.68. Gold in the red by less than two bucks. Silver in the green by a nickel. And Bitcoin futures up $150 at 40115 Let's bring in Triple D and AB. That kind of rhymes. Good morning to you, gentlemen. But, Dennis, we are in a bull market so far today. Tesla down nearly 10% in the triple Qs are green. Yeah, this is the market that we're in, is that if we were in, you know, a market from like two years ago when we were in the full-on bear market, Tesla falling as far as it is would have every tech stock down with it. But right now, other tech stocks don't care. And like we've been saying, I believe Tesla is falling out of the Magnificent Seven. Um, we talked about this about a week and a half ago, and that's where I'm sitting still as I think that investors are just not in love with stock here. And, you know, for good reason, you know, there's some disappointing numbers here, too. So we're going to talk uh, with we're going to get a special guest here. We're going to talk with with a second. We'll get right into this Tesla. You know what my trade was uh, yesterday? I Tesla puts. Well, no, because those were a little bit too expensive. But I was, I was, I, I thought Tesla was going to report disappointing earnings. So instead of buying the expensive Tesla puts, I bought QQQ puts that expired today, expecting <laughs> that Tesla would bring the Qs lower. Clearly, I don't know what I am doing or talking about, other than the fact that I was right about Tesla trading lower. Um, but we've got someone. Who's, who, who knows a lot more about Tesla than I do, who's been covering this stock for a lot longer. So uh, I'm excited to get into this earnings report. All right, bring it on Gordon Well, we've teased Johnson. them, so let's bring on our special guest. All right, we've got A-L-G Gordon Johnson hanging, Research. hanging out backstage. We got to give him our very special Benzinga pre-market prep welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good morning, Gordon. How you doing today? I'm hanging in. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, we don't need to give the numbers. We could just look at the price reaction here. You've been following this stock for a long time. Give us uh, give us your short-term and your long-term take here on this earnings report. Yeah, so I think the earnings report was in line with what we expected. I think it was weaker than what the street expected. There's three key things I'll highlight. There's a number of things we can talk about, but Number one, right? Tesla had on every previous earnings uh, uh, um, basically release talked about a 50% uh, 
um, Kager. They said they were going to grow 50% annually. They completely took that out of the most recent earnings slide. That's number one. Number two, um, they gave guidance of notably lower growth. So their growth and units uh, last year was 37%. The street has them growing like you know 22% this year. They're saying no, notably lower than 37%. So I think that's going to be below uh, the 20% the street has them growing this year. And then they said a number of times, they said their gross margins effectively are going to go lower from Q4. So they said the benefits of gross margins are going to be worse going forward. So it looks like their margins have peaked, whereas a lot of people are saying the margins have dropped. A couple of other things. They said their tax rate is now going to be 25%, whereas in the third quarter, it was 8.17%. And in the fourth quarter, we can get into this, they had a $5.7 billion tax benefit. We could talk about that, but it, it reached the high heavens in our view. Um, uh, and then lastly, you know, they talked about this uh, next-gen model, but they said it's not coming until the end of 2025. So you're talking about two years with no new models, stale models, low-volume production, and they said they're going to produce that $25,000 car in Texas, right? They were supposed to produce that in Mexico. We know they delayed their Mexican facility indefinitely. Then they said they were going to do China. There were a number of other countries that were rumored. Why is it important they're doing it in Texas? Here's why it's important. Texas is a high-cost production market. You're talking about paying your factory workers in Texas roughly $50 an hour versus $10 an hour in Mexico, $5 an hour in China. There's no way, in our view, that car is going to be competitive if they make it in Texas. So them saying that suggests to us they're not ramping any more new facilities. So I think overall this is quite bad near term because you're talking about street numbers that are too high. And I think it's very bad long term because this is a stock valued at 100 times our 2024 EPS estimate that we think earnings growth is going to be negative. That's absurd. So I think that's the setup. Gordon, what about the consumer? Let's just look and just take a look at, you know, the overall consumer. Because I've argued for a while, maybe this isn't even just going to be a Tesla problem. I mean, we've had higher interest rates. Does this not impact the, the, the consumer's ability to buy new cars? Like, I mean, Ford, GM, you know, and obviously you don't cover those stocks, but, you know, they've backed off on EV production here. Is there a case that the U.S. consumer just may have less money in 2024 to buy new cars? Well, no, that's something Elon Musk is saying to try to kind of shield himself okay. from weak demand for Tesla's cars specifically. Uh, demand for ICE cars is still strong. Demand for cars that people want are still strong. Look, the reason why people are exiting the EV space is simple. It's because they're not profitable. Think about this. Tesla's net margin in Q4 was 7.9%. They just told you their, 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 their tax rate is going from 8% to 25%, and they've already done a price cut in Q1 of 2024 equivalent to 5%. So they're now a profit. They're again now a profitless EV manufacturer. That's why Ford, GM, VW, Toyota, um, uh, and the battery manufacturers, Panasonic, LG, CATL, that's why they're pulling back billions of dollars they plan to invest in EVs because it's just not profitable. So I think that the reason why Tesla has problems is because the consumer just doesn't like and doesn't want to buy EVs. That's the real issue here. And I know I'm the only guy who says that, so it's hard to grasp. But you can see the guys who know this market see the market much better than any of us, me included. 
the, the, the auto manufacturers and the battery manufacturers are pulling back hundreds of billions of dollars in investment. So the, the, the proof is in the pudding, if you will. Gordon, one more for you. Uh, the, what I'm looking at on, on Twitter here this morning, and I've seen a lot of talk about it, even though, you know, the cars obviously not selling quite as much as we, we maybe what, you know, the numbers weren't as good. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about these humanoids. I'm thinking, seeing a lot of people talk that, you know what, Tesla's not just a car company. It's a technology <laughs> company, and they have these humanoids coming that they're eventually going to sell and make a lot of money with. Some people saying it's going to be the most valuable company in the world because of the humanoids. Where yeah. are they in this production, like, and where and how far are they from, like, being able to actually sell these things? So two years ago, you would have told me the same thing, but you would have said Cybertruck. Four years ago, you would have told me the same thing, but you would have said FSD. Six years ago, you would have told me the same thing, but you would have said the Tesla Semi. Listen, this is our opinion, but this is a pump and dump scheme at this point. They have all these products. You know, where's the ventilators? Where's the Semi truck that actually we have specs on? Where's the $40,000 Cybertruck? Where's the $25,000 car? Where's the factory that makes the factory? I mean, Elon Musk comes up with a lot of these products that are years out, and then he doesn't execute on them. It's not like he promises and delivers late. He just doesn't deliver at all. You know, where, where's the, uh, you know, uh, 100,000 solar panels or whatever he said, you know, the fake solar panels he, he showed to, to sell Solar City. We never saw those. There's always this carrot that he puts out there. With respect to humanoids, you know, Boston, Boston, uh, what is it? Boston Analytics. Boston Dynamics. Dynamics, I'm sorry, has been at this for decades, right? And, 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 and you know, the, the video that Elon Musk just showed, we now know it was a complete fake. There was a guy controlling it to the right of the video. Where are they at with humanoids? I don't think it's ever coming, but it's a way for people like, <clears throat> excuse me, Morgan Stanley and, and, and Kathy Wood to put a valuation not justified by any reality. Think about this, right? Think about this. For years, Elon Musk has said Dojo, the Dojo computer teaches their cars to drive themselves. They have millions of miles of data, right? In fact, in September of last year, Morgan Stanley, Adam Jonas did a 60-page note where he took his price target, I think, from 250 to 400 and gave Dojo a $500 million, billion, I'm sorry, valuation, right? Dojo is not mentioned in any 10Q or K of Tesla. And last night, Elon Musk said it's, quote, a long shot. Um, so he's been basically selling this to people for years. And last night, he effectively almost completely discounted it out of the Tesla story. Um, you got to look at these things, right? You got to look at these promises he's made. And the fact that my peers on Wall Street, highly respected firms, are giving this company hundreds of billions of dollars of valuation for this vaporware. It's crazy. We believe it's analytical malpractice. And um, I think that the, the results this year um, are going to prove that this company has big problems. Let's move on to another sector. You just mentioned uh, the Solar City takeover. I can remember that a long time ago. Uh, but any, let's uh, since we're on kind of like the bearish theme here, talk to us about the solar sector here. Is there any any recovery, short term or long term, uh, for the solar sector? Yeah. So look, I just want to remind you guys: you can make money shorting stocks too, right? You can short <laughs> stocks and make money. It seems like shorting is like uh, you know the plague these days. Last year, we had a big call short solar, and it worked out fantastic. It was a fantastic short. It was probably one of the best shorts in the stock market. The problem with solar is simple. Uh, we put out a note this morning highlighting this. Uh, China is reaching grid constraints. 
China is roughly 50% of global solar demand. Last year, China grew 40%. The expectation is China is not going to grow at all this year. Given the overcapacity in the solar space, if China doesn't grow, you're going to see a further collapse in prices. And that is not factored in. So I think the parts makers, the Jinko Solars, the Canadian Solars, the solar edges of the world, I think are going to see tremendously more downside. I think an incremental downside this year. So I think those shorts are going to work out quite well. And then moving to the Sunruns and the Sonovas and the Sun Powers of the world, these aren't really solar companies. They're effectively um, uh, specialty finance companies. Um, I call them subprime solar roofers. The problem is if interest rates go up, which, which clearly they are, um, and they have been, these companies are facing basically extinction. Sun Power has already defaulted um, on uh, one of their warehouse facilities. They're close to being forced into bankruptcy. And I think Sunrun and Sonova aren't far behind. Uh, the, the problem is their loans don't generate cash. So I think there's two distinct plays in the solar space. You want to play the supply demand story on the parts makers to the downside, and you want to play the uh, interest rate story um, and the potential um, uh, bankruptcy story on the uh, on the on the resi rooftop side. All right, Gordon. So say you wanted to play the kind of clean tech trade uh, long. Are there any you know sectors within clean tech that you do like? We love uranium. We've we've liked it for a while. I think we were one of the first. I think we we, we initiated on Cameco around, I think, like 13 bucks. I think the stock's just under 60. It may be 60 now. It's a very simple story. You know, everybody wants to go net zero. You know, with intermittent intermittent peak load power like solar and wind, you can't do that. You need distributed base load. And the only way to do that is nuclear. And globally, governments are moving towards nuclear now. And when you add to that, you have these financial players like Sprott who have come in and brought up all the excess spot supply, you're talking about a powder keg under prices. Clearly, prices have went a lot higher. We're talking about $100 uh, U308 uh, per pound right now. But you could see another you know, stair step higher in those prices. And if that happens, that will be reflected in the stocks. We think there's tremendous upside in these stocks. We think there's going to be a move out of solar, out of EVs, into uranium at some point. So you're going to get that, you know, euphoria play, we believe, as well. We would be very aggressively buying, buying uh, Cameco at this point. Yeah, and we saw, I mean, when the uh, Russia-Ukraine war started and Europe was having all these energy problems, France was actually in a better position than a lot of other countries because it did have more uh, nuclear and it is building more. Do you think we can see that in the United States at some point in the next 10, 15 years? It seems like our leaders here in the United States are so against this type of clean energy? That's a great That's a great question and a great point. You look at Diablo Canyon out in uh, California, they were supposed to decommission that, they didn't. You're talking about uh, a lot of uh, talk and support around small uh, 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 module nuclear reactors in the US. The US is clearly moving back towards nuclear um, as are other countries. And you're talking about, you know, people are, for instance, people are expecting a lot of incremental supply from Nextera. But the question is, is that mine real? I think nobody's looked into that. We've started to. Um, so I think the U.S. has to move that way because if you want, again, if you want to move towards net zero, but you want reliable power that is cost effective and works, you got to do nuclear. Solar and wind just don't work. And you see that 
with respect to Hawaii having to move completely away from solar uh, because they did too much rooftop. It, it, it constrained their grid. And California effectively doing the same with the NEM 3.0 rules. So I think the U.S. has to move that way. It's, it's not a factor of if. It's a factor of when. And I think the win is now. And you're also having other countries move back to nuclear. So we like the space. And I think that once, you know, it becomes more popularized, you have, you know, people like me talking about it, more people, I think you're going to have that euphoric trade in the uranium space as well. We've been on the line with Gordon Johnson. He runs GLJ Research, joining us here on Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Gordon, thanks for coming on, and we'll be dialing you up again real soon. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All righty, guys. That was Gordon Johnson, of course, talking about Tesla. Tesla still trading down. What are we about? About nine percent right now. Yeah, I got it. I got a support level. All right, let's see. You it. Got. Your charts back up. That is. Wait, I want to. This is fun. I've been thinking about this one, and I sure? want to see if the chat can guess what it is. Your number, the Joel Alconin yes. mega support number. And it Tesla. has nothing to do with the chart. Oh gosh. Yes. 50% retracement. retracement, you threw it. Dennis, no, no. You better get this or you're fired. This is pressure. I don't see anything on the chart here at 188. It has nothing to do with the chart. Come on, oh, Mr. No, Mar- There's nothing to do with the chart. How am I supposed to pick a support Come on, level Mr. with nothing market to do with structure. Mr. Market Structure? All right, did you go into the expected move? No. Oh my We're going to stay here all day until Dennis gets this. Right. I'm not going to get this because one, I don't know how yeah, you, you do are. levels without a chart. Okay, take take this him is off. a new one to me. Teach me something. How you identify support levels without a chart? Aaron, come on. Uh, a hundred dollars. No, good support at a hundred bucks. I'll give no, Aaron no. that. A hundred dollars. No. I'll give him a hundred dollars support. That's a five-star if support I level. I can see that level back in 2022. Right now, we're just a little bit away from that one. Come on, guys. At least in the short term. At least for the next. We're, oh, man. Dennis. Dennis. Oh, I have no idea what chat. you're talking about here. I'm Bail sorry. this out. No if idea. If I have Someone... to tell what this is, then I'm really going to be upset. Someone I'll tell you the set. expected move while we keep that in the background. The expected move, which is obviously something we know CC looks at, I look at, was approximately, and I'm grabbing it from this price, the closing price of the options. We got the $8. 750 no, plus no, 780. No, 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 no. My math. Right, right now. No. Anyways, the expected move, because I have no idea right what Jill's talking about. The expected move would bring you down to about 192. So you're actually getting through the expected move here right now at 189. What is Joel's five star support level? All right, Dennis, I'm going to do this. It's not a five star. It's just a, it's just a, okay, it's down. I'll give you a hint. It's down 1863 at 189.20. It's down 8.99%. You just like doing down 10%? Yeah. <laughs> and I was supposed to guess this. This mind, this Joel's mind. Limit down. There's no limit down in stocks. In pre market. <laughs> There's no limit down in pre-market. There's no limit down. What happened to the 10%? I have no idea what he's talking about today, folks. Joel's lost it. He's lost 10%. it here. 10%. That's what I'm saying. It's a good round number to say 10%, but I'm not sure if that's going to be the bounce level or not. So what would the 10% number be? 187.05. Okay, so Joel's giving you just down 10%, 187.05. All right. I'm not going to be a hero and I try to come to the bottom on this. 
I'm going to tell you why. And I've had multiple people tweeting at me today. Are you buying Tesla? Are you buying Tesla? Are you buying Tesla? Are you buying Tesla? I mean, I'm getting this tweet at me all night and all morning. So question, the answer to that is no. One, day one on a disappointment. Two, is that what I've been talking about and correctly predicting, I was very nervous about this quarter. Um, I believe Tesla is falling out of the Magnificent Seven. I tweeted that two weeks ago. Now Kramer's talking about it. I can pretty much guarantee you that Kramer's going to come on CNBC because he already talked about this. He said if Tesla has a bad quarter, he's throwing it out of the Magnificent Seven. He is the the chaser of all chasers. He's probably coming on CNBC at 9 o'clock, and he's going to say, Tesla, we're done with you. Because he's already talked about taking out Tesla and putting in Lilly into the Magnificent Seven. Not that he controls the Magnificent Seven, but he has a huge audience, and he has huge influence. So I can pretty much say that I'm very confident that Kramer's going to come on and talk about taking this out of the Magnificent Seven as well now. So all of that is going to put more pressure on the stock. I don't think there's an imminent turnaround story here. I do like the humanoid aspect of it. You know, I respect a lot of people talking about this. I do think that that could be the potential to, you know, eventually for Tesla to grow into this valuation. But that's a long ways out. You know, Gordon says it's a non-factor. I don't know if that's the case. I think there's a story there. I think humanoids could be a factor here eventually. But it's a long ways away. It's a long time for investors to to wait. Um, Obviously, you know, we've had Gene Munster on the show a lot of times. He had lots of commentary last night. I was following him on Twitter. And he's talking, you know, about about, the growth and the growth slowing. Investors going to have to wait till 2025. And I don't know how investors don't like waiting. So that's why you're seeing the significant sell-off here today. I don't think people, the only thing that would have going for it is that it is a tech stock. Maybe people come with the humanoid aspect and just say, I just got to own Tesla. But I don't think you have to hurry into this one. I do think, counter to what Gordon is saying, that consumers are going to have less money to spend on vehicles in 2024. And that's what I've been worried about. That is showing up in the numbers already. I think there's going to be less demand in 2024 for the vehicles. I think I just don't want to be a hero here and call the bottom. There will be a time and place to buy Tesla. I don't know if it's today. Yep. And uh, let's move on from Tesla. Obviously not a great report, still trading lower, Uh, you know, very polarizing stock. So a lot of people in the chat, you know, but the best thing about the market is if you disagree with someone's take, you've got, uh, you know, you can always buy or sell, but I would personally, I'm I'm with you, Dennis. I would not be buying Tesla here. I'd be waiting. I think Uh, you don't want to be a hero. And again, it is a tech stock and we've been talking about buying tech on dips. So it fits that bill. That's the only thing it's got going for it, though. It is really, right now, as of today, a car company. It will be a tech stock, and they get this humanoid stuff and everything else going. Then that gets really interesting. I think it's just too far out here right now. So like I said, I'm not throwing Tesla. I'm just saying, you know, it's trash and going to 25 bucks. I don't think that's the case. What I do think is that the growth is slowing, and there's so many other. And what they're telling you, what the market is clearly telling you, by the cues being green, is that they don't care much about Tesla anymore. If this was NVIDIA, if this was Apple, if this was Microsoft, the cues would not be green here right now, down 10%. The cues would be hammered. So what this market is saying, it is separating itself from Tesla. So I'm kind of with Kramer to a certain extent. Is that, And I was the one that said it first. I said it you know, two weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago. I started tweeting about Tesla coming out of the Magnificent Seven. 
And we just saw from the action, the pricing action. And then Kramer got on the board, you know, a week later. But I, I'm with him, you know, because I'm the one that started saying this, you know, about t- taking Tesla out of the Magnificent Seven. The market is doing it. The market is taking Tesla out of the man- Magnificent Seven. How do we know that right now? Because Tesla is down 10%. The queues are green. The market does not care about Tesla anymore. And that's a problem for Tesla. Well, let's move on. Uh, Humana trading Lower this morning, ticker HUM, the company reported uh, f- the 2024 forecast guidance missed. They pulled to 2025. Uh, companies saying Medicare Advantage is, is hurting its profits. Uh, care costs jump as U.S. tightens payments to Medicare insurers. Uh, I mean, this th- these shares got absolutely crushed. At one point this morning when I was looking down more than 17%, looks like we are about down 15% right now, 60 bucks on Humana. Again, anytime you have a company issuing lower than expected guidance for this next year and then saying, hey, we're just going to pull our view for 2025 altogether, not great. Uh, also, of course, I mean, if you're investing in a company, you want them to have strong profits. And when they're talking about their profits being eaten into, uh, shareholders are not going to be happy. The market is punishing this one this morning. Dennis, what are you seeing? Well, you know, one thing I'm going to say, and I've said this for a while here, there is no reason, it seems like, in this market to pre-announce and to warn here. Because if we go back and just look at our trusty Benzinga Pro here from – January 19th, the yep. big drop down was that they warned. Yes. They warned on the earnings they were going to be light. You. So they told us already that the earnings were going to be light. But this is the most unforgiving market ever. And, you know, they come in and they're going to be light on the earnings. And then they come in light on the earnings and they hammer it again. Oh, and maybe, I, the, the, maybe it's just deteriorated that much in six days. But I mean, this is incredible to see a 50-point drop because of an earnings warning, and then you get the actual earnings, and they drop at another 60. That's We've seen this happen before, though. When you warn, the market just is stupid and forgets about it. It's like, oh, well, Humana's reporting earnings. Maybe they'll be okay. They're not going to be okay. They already warned, and they hammer it again. Now, again, this earnings warning is this earnings guidance is significant from today. So we are getting more information here. They're talking about a significant fall off in earnings here. Um, you know, 1487, talking big time numbers down yep. here. So th- is it justified? Maybe. This was one of the darlings, though. A lower beta stock that everybody loved, everybody was hiding in, works no matter what. Bear market, bull market, they're all telling me Humana works. Well, all of a sudden, it's not working. Down 100 points in six days is an incredibly big move for a company that's supposed to be a safe stock in Humana. Yeah, and it I... actually filled the gap there. It filled the gap after that drop, just almost to the penny. So if you don't believe in gap fills, you have it. I'm just going to give you the pre-market low as a potential support point. That's 331.90, and then your rebound high uh, off that low. I'm not going to. I'm just going to call the 350 area. Uh, you just poked above that in the last couple brackets. Looks like you got a seller hanging out. At 351, uh, be careful with your UNH today. Uh, I, I did uh, UNH is trading in the red. That's down 23 bucks. Molina Healthcare. Uh, so be careful. This is probably tagging CVS too. So be careful with your healthcare providers. XLV getting hammered here. And thank you very much, chat. They're warning me to go wide here, meaning oh, you yeah, know, don't, get, don't in, sit out there in, with the in, GDP number. 
and get picked off here. We got and, GDP and, coming in two minutes and, here. And That's going to be a market mover here. We're going to get uh, Q4 preliminary GDP. The expectation is 2% growth. Uh, the previous was 4.9%. Initial jobless claims will also come out. The street is expecting 200,000 initial jobless claims. That's more than 187,000 uh, we got last month. So uh, I will be watching this number again right at 8.30 and read it to you as soon as it comes out. Again, we're looking for 2% growth on the GDP 200,000 initial jobless claims. Some other numbers coming out at 8.30 as well, like uh, retail inventories, but we're not going to care as much about that as we will about the GDP and jobless claims. Uh, but while we're on the earnings, on the flip side, you know, you had Humana and Tesla both trading much lower. IBM reported double beat and the stock is trading higher. Guess what they said was a growth driver for the company? AI demand. I'm pretty sure anyone could have seen that one coming. Yeah. Uh, and the shares are trading up now more than 6% pre-market, bringing up some other chip names with it. Uh, you look at NVIDIA trading higher again this morning. NVIDIA looks like it's, I mean, now at $622 a share, just insane move. Um, but IBM holding on to this move to the upside this morning. It's the tale of two markets, AI versus everything else. And right now, Tesla's being thrown in as a car company and not considering the AI story, which I think is a long-term mistake. But short term, we're obviously, you know, seeing that weakness because of that. But IBM is an AI play. We've talked about the stock as an AI play. That's where we're at. It's AI versus everything else. You can see clearly this market, you know, you can look at, you know, even look at the indexes, look at what you want to look at. But the stocks that are driving 2024, which we correctly predicted, are AI stocks. IBM is now an AI stock. Nine seconds here till GDP. 187.62, that's your pre-market high. We'll just go to the S&Ps. See if you see a monthly level in there, folks. Are you looking for resistance? Uh, ooh, hot? Is it hot? We just had a quick We're move down here. Quick move down. Yep. Try to hold on Shopping around a lot. Yep. Uh, the bots have the number. I'm looking at unchanged here. The Durable goods. We we we're starting to see the numbers come in. U.S. GDP, 3.3% versus 2.0% expected. The U.S. economy will just not slow down. 3.3%. Initial jobless claims, though, 214,000 against the 200,000 expected. So jobless claims come in higher than expected. GDP comes in higher than expected. Little bit of a mixed bag this morning. So the economy is showing hot on the GDP side. Cool wow. on the initial jobless claim side. Uh, looks like, let's see, continuing uh, continuing jobless claims, 1.83 million versus 1.82 million expected. So maybe the labor market's starting to slow down a tiny bit. But again, that GDP coming in higher than expected. Uh, what's the market doing? How's the market reacting to this? We're rallying here now. Yep. And again, this market is in full bull mode. You know, we're all closing. You know, when you're at all-time highs, it's hard to be a bear. And they're finding this silver lining and saying, look, soft landing. It is proof is in the pudding here. I mean, every time we get another economic number that's hot, you could say, oh, no, well, that means the Fed's going to, you know, get a little more aggressive. That market's not thinking about that anymore because Powell pivoted, remember? So the market is not worrying that the Fed is coming in and going to, you know, back off on, you know, well, we better start raising rates. The economy's getting hot again. Now the, the Powell is going for the soft landing. This is more proof that the soft landing is potentially here. So, I mean, wow, what a number. I don't think this derails the bear thesis. I think this just propels the AI stocks probably even more. I haven't looked at them yet.
but AMD ripping higher here. Once again, up another $3.50. NVIDIA is up another $10. Everybody told me yesterday I got to sell the NVIDIA because here comes the imminent crash. Well, you know what? You're up another 10 bucks here today. And the crash isn't coming here at least this morning. All right, uh, so right now, economy still humming here. S&P's that slight dip went right to unchanged. And then, boom, the bids are out there unchanged. Very limited resistance in here, right? Because yesterday's high was way up at 49.33 and a quarter. Uh, we're at a daily swing level here at 49.09. But uh, it looks like the bulls are just running with this number. Limited offers on the upside. Dennis, uh, I'm looking. Tesla's not catching a bit off this. I see uh, NVIDIA trading at its pre-market high. So, yeah, and so I, and I just want to clarify that I mean, we never make this point on the show. When you have a stock with a major news, like an earnings announcement, that the macro market is meaningless to that stock, at least for most of that day. It's going to trade just on its own thing. So don't expect Tesla to start ripping back to 200 because we had a good GDP number here. They're already pricing in. That's lower growth. It's got its own story today. So a lot of people think, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to buy Tesla here now because we got a good GDP number. That will not affect Tesla's price here today, the GDP number. It'll move everything else around it. But it's not going to be like Tesla's going to bounce from 189 to 200 because we had a good GDP number here. So just keep that in mind when you're trading. That is weighed on its own reports. It cares nothing about the macro environment today. Two days from now, it'll be a different story. It'll start trading with the market again. Today, Tesla trades on Tesla News only. All right, well, let's get to our esteemed guest of the day. We've got our man, Tommy Lackey, hanging out backstage CMT. So without further ado, let's bring Tommy on, see what he's been watching these crazy – I mean, his market's been crazy this morning. Excited to see Tommy's take. Uh, let's give him our little special intro, and we come back, we'll be, we'll be seeing Tommy's takes. Tommy Lackey Jr., Relativity, Relativity Capital Advisors, the man that came on, was it a year ago? Maybe six months ago, nine months ago, and said, I, I don't know about a recession in uh, in late 23, and I don't know about 24, Tommy. That was a good call. Where, where are you at now on this economy? Well, let's be really clear to start. Good morning, guys. Let's be really sure. clear to start. I am not an economist. <laughs> I played and he is not a cat. But I haven't done anything like that since then. However, um, it's just there's a lot of stats underneath. I follow people like Ryan Dietrich of the Carson Group and some other people like that that are following a different set of leading economic indicators than what your national media, your CNBCs, and all that follow. And they've been saying as well. So I probably got a lot of my information from them from an economic standpoint. What I'm about is data in the markets. And the market data, while it was sluggish and bounced around last year, was not as bad and as dire as most everybody wanted it to be. And it just wasn't painting the picture of another big downturn. Um, fall of this year, when we talked, it was about to fall off the, the table, but we talked about having an end of the year rally. And if the marks, markets did not break those lows decisively, we should expect a strong end of the year. And we're still right in the middle of that, to tell you the truth. Okay. So, All right. Well, let's get to let's get to some uh, sectors or some individual issues here. Dennis has just talked, been talking. We've been talking about the separation in this market between AI and basically everything else. 
what, what's um what's what's on your radar as far as sectors or individual issues? Well, and I think it we got to start with the sectors and then go to subsectors and things like this. Uh, you know, again, healthcare, technology, and financials have been the leaders for a little while now, and they continue to stay there. That is more of a positive or bullish setup when you're just looking at the data. It's not utilities, consumer staples, and the likes there. They're at the bottom of my relative strength rankings and have been for a while. Now, they were even not, they were even just barely in the middle at the October lows. So when consumer staples can't even lead and you're about to break down, then you know that there's something else going on underneath the surface. And that's what we saw. Technology came back with a vengeance. And a lot of the companies in technology that have been beat up for over two years came back with a vengeance and are now sporting much stronger bases and showing and holding breakouts from these lower levels. A lot of people want to look at all these new time highs, but we've got a lot of good six, nine, 12 month bases in some of the bigger software names and things like that that are just now starting to break out while everybody's focused on NVIDIA. Look at things like um, Crowd, CRWD, um, great software names been up there. You just got to be able to dig down and find something past those magnificent, magnificent seven if you really want to be playing the bigger moves underneath the surface. Brett it's has improved a lot since the fall, and we have to take that into our account. Is there a time for Kathy Wood here? Because she's going to have a bad day today with Tesla being down. Most of the ARC funds have a heavy weighting in Tesla. Most of them are going to probably be down on the day or, you know, not up on the day. Is there a place here where maybe some of her other stocks, you know, start to go? I know she's got a huge holding in Zoom. She's got, you know, so she's got a number of other holdings as well. It's not just Tesla. Is there a place where maybe we got a catch up trade on some of these smaller tech companies? Yes, I think that's absolutely going to be there. Whether she's holding those smaller type companies, I'm not sure yet or not. If the ones she's holding are the ones that are there, but yes, that's absolutely happening. And that's what you've seen from the move in the IWM. All I've seen in the last week is everybody talk about how the IWM is failing. It's not failing. It's pulling back after a meteoric move and it's only pulled back 38%. What's 38%? A great Fibonacci number. So it pulled back right where it should have so far. It could even go down further and still be in this trend we started back in November. So I'd be real careful, again, isolating myself to just a few names because there's a lot of great tech names under the surface. Biotechnology has been just a monster. You know, I put out some stuff on my Twitter, which is down there in my uh, label there, put out some stuff yesterday talking about there are 229 names in my biotechnology uh subsector so unless you know and have a way to filter that well it's going to be hard to find anything other than big ones but some of these little ones are moving one two three hundred percent in the matter of months if you really are the one who wants to be a swing or a position trader you have to be looking at those kind of things yeah and we we saw you know the biotech kind of underperform the overall market really the past couple of years starting to heat back up now mm-hmm. i mean what are some of those names in that space that you like well, remember, and hang on a second, I, I would say look at my Twitter and look at the list from yesterday. It's going to take me a second to pull it up. and I'll, okay. get, I'll, talk I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it pulled up. Remember that we last year talked about in the very beginning of the year, the con, um, consumer, uh, sorry, not consumer services, uh, communication services. And the same thing was that way last year. It had been beat up for two or three years. All the internet stuff was getting killed, all that. And last year, I said, it's showing technical moves. And it was the leader last year. 
communication services knocked it out of the park. And so from that stance, and it's still going, that's what we're looking for here is that, yes, we have a lot of strength in different areas, but someone like biotechnology has been out of favor for over two years. And we're now seeing a lot of good, strong technical positioning and a lot of mergers and acquisitions. It's just ripe for big moves if the bull market continues. And biotechnology is extremely interest rate sensitive. So if we're yeah. right and the raises have stopped, they don't have to go down far. But if moving interest rates up has stopped, then biotech will be one of the biggest beneficiaries. Got it. And or, Go ahead. And, and, and again, what is your outlook? So let's just get to the root of it all. And you're talking about interest rates. I mean, the TLT has come off, and that is probably why we've seen some weakness in the IWM. Is this TLT weakness to be bought here, Tommy? Did we bottom back in October? Um, and, you know, and now we're just getting that little retracement back here. Do you think interest rates have peaked? I think that's most likely the case. Um, again, I expect them to probably move up somewhere into February because that move off the lows was very dramatic for bonds. And again, that's one of the things we've talked about the last three or four times I've come on here is the thing that confuses everybody these days is velocity. Okay. When the moves are happening, they're happening so fast and everybody's shaking their head going, what happened? And the reality is it's just another move. It's just happened faster than it did 10 years ago. And so that velocity and that move, and that was a great start for TLT. It does have to hold on this pullback, but right now it's still retraced a very small percentage of the overall move. And as a technician, we have to keep that in our focus that until it actually breaks down, let's not create the breakdown in our heads. What about the energy sector here? I mean, we've had uh, really a decoupling from the crude market. Crude has moved up nice off that $70 level. And I'm looking at uh, ExxonMobil. I'm looking at uh, at CVX. I'm looking at some of these stocks. I mean, is there a catch-up trade here with crude? Or is there other dynamics uh, going on with these issues? Well, let's talk about it on two levels. Number one, you're about to come into energy seasonality. End of the year, beginning of the year is very tough. Once you go into February, the seasonality for energy picks up. So I think that could be part of it. But also, what did we talk about earlier? Every single time we get a piece of economic data, it's doing what? It's surprising to the upside. What drives the economy? Energy. And I'm going to tell you, it's not the electrical grid, as you can see by utilities right now. And it's not EVs. So I do believe there is a potential for a catch-up trade. But it's a very hated area from an hated. institutional standpoint. So there's a possibility that they could just kind of keep their foot on the neck of it. But the reality is it's only 3% of the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. So looking past things like that, you can look in lower and you have things like NOG, which is one of the gas names. You have some other players in there um, in the equipment services right now. Um, and the real winner there, my subsector, which is oil and gas storage and transportation sector, that's your MLPs, things like that. Those things are the ones that have been crushing it, paying you a 7% dividend and up 20% over the last year. So again, all this comes down to being able to filter down and getting inside to find the names quickly. And if you look on uh, the website, the oil and gas storage and transportation subsector, you can pull right down to the bottom. All the holdings are there. You know, the top performers, see, all these are limited partnerships. So I will say that on the K-1s, a lot of these are. But there's a ton of names in here that have moved 25 to 30% over the last quarter while the rest of energy's had a tough time. So you just have to be able to decipher. Now, right now, my energy charts are showing reversals from an equal weight standpoint. 
right near the lows. So I do believe there's a catch-up trade here. I just don't know if it's going to last more than maybe four to eight weeks. But I don't think I can tell that on any bounce. You can't tell how long it's going to last when it starts. That's why you have to pay attention. Do we Uh, go into a – let's talk overall markets here again. Do we eventually go – because it seems like this market, at least in 2024, has been buy something, sell something else. Never everything going up at the same time. In in October, at the end of October and November, we saw everything rallying together. Do we go back into that market? Do we eventually get back into this market? where they start buying the IWM, they start buying the Qs, they just start buying everything across the board. Can we get back to that market? I mean, I think we'll have a couple of bits of that market this year. But the thing that's more important to me is what you just said, is that actually we are seeing, like right now, we are seeing a decent amount of rotation instead of the markets pulling back. That is a bull market. Okay. When you see the markets flatten out and feel like you feel like they're topping out for now and you're in a bear market, what do they usually do? They pull back at least half or more quickly. These markets are not pulling back like that. Even with the IWM, as fast as it withdrew, it was only 38% of that retracement of that move. And that right there shows me the money was moving into, it was rotating, it was not leaving the markets. Uh, Tommy, we've seen, you know, obviously a lot of different stocks kind of rallying over the past few months. I know you've been tracking the RSI on a number of different individual names. What are you seeing on DoorDash, ticker Dash, D-A-S-H? Well, the reason I sent the chart for you of DoorDash and you can pull it up is because, again, just funneling down in my sectors, I noticed that on the RS movers list that was out there, that was my subsectors that are moving over the last five days relative strength points, I jumped over and looked at the internet and direct marketing and consumer discretionary because I kind of feel that if the economy's humming like it is, consumer discretionary might pick back up here shortly. And if that's even without Tesla, but if that's the case, this is one of the sectors that showed good promise yesterday. And it also didn't show a lot of new lows while some of the others were making new 10 and 20 day lows. Yesterday, this one did not. And so when I jumped down in there and I started looking at its RS list at the bottom that gave me the stocks, DoorDash kind of jumped out at me. And it basically was just looked in a situation or in a position here that if you look at the daily, which is the chart on the left, it already broke out. It consolidated above that breakout. And now it looks like it wants to move higher again. And down there, the RSI is just now moving above 60. It's in a bull range because it didn't break 40 on the way down last time. And so it's moving higher. And then the weekly RSI is in a nice or weekly stocks in a nice uptrend. And the RSI is not overbought on that chart on the right. So this one right here is right to me to have another move higher because RSI is not overbought anywhere right there. And it just recently hit the nitrous is what I call. As you see that little orange line on the RSI is the nine SMA of RSI. When that moves over 60 itself, a lot of times you can see acceleration to the upside when everybody else is sitting there screaming about it already being overbought. So you I like seeing that. so you like seeing a stock with a a slightly elevated RSI, just not too high. Yeah, again, if you go back through my feed, some I did a specific tweet on that last week. Is that actually what most people don't understand about RSI is is for every point in RSI, it gets closer to the extreme at a hundred. You get an exponential move in price. So moving from 70 to 80, you might move 10% in the stock. But when you move from 80 to 90, the stock's going to move 20 or 25% higher. 
And so all these people that are jumping out as soon as it gets elevated and gets over 60 or towards 70 miss the majority of the end of the move. Now, again, might it reverse on you? Sure. Some point every stock will. But if you are paying attention, overbought is your best friend. It is not your enemy. Hmm. We've been on the line with Tommy Lackey Jr. He's a managing partner and portfolio manager at Relativity Capital Advisors. Tommy, always great having you on. We'll dial you up again real soon. I appreciate it. You guys go check out powerinvesting.com. It's a little something I've been putting together that does help filter all this. Nice. Powerinvesting.com. I'll throw that link in the chat. Thank you, Tommy. We'll talk Thanks, soon. Thanks, Tommy. All righty, guys. We uh, still... One thing I want to focus on and just summing up what Tommy said, and it was such a good point. Um, just talking about, you know, when the market's going down and, you know, we have some bad news, but, you know, other things are going up still. That rotation continuing to keep us afloat. This day is the exact example of that with Tesla being as weak as it is. If you would have told me Tesla's going to fall 18 bucks and down 9%, I'd say, well, the market's going to be getting hit. That is not the case. And it was not the case right from the get-go. They initially hit the market right on the Tesla numbers. The algos did. But they were already buying up Tesla or they were already buying up the Qs and the SPY last night. Like, you know, well before this GDP number. Because they might say, you know, people say, oh, it's the GDP. It wasn't the GDP. We were up already this morning before the GDP number. The GDP has continued this. But this is why, you know, this is a very bad day for the bears. A very, very, very bad, bad day for the bears. Yep. You get a major component reporting very bad news, and the overall market rips on it. This is just telling you there's too many people who are bearish this market still. We've been a consolidation station here. We've been talking about for a while on a lot of these stocks to go higher. And you know, and that's what's happened. I mean, NVIDIA had a six-month consolidation period in the 500 area before resolving itself to the upside, and now it's marching. And people are like, well, this is just stupid. It's going to 200. It's so far overvalued. Maybe stocks are overvalued. They're not cheap. You know, I'll tell you that right now. They're not cheap. But you know what? The story is still hot here right now. And the stocks aren't as expensive as you think they are. I actually, I don't know if I retweeted this, but there was somebody who had on Twitter and was just comparing PEs to where they were because we had, the, you know, the whole PE talk there. Um, there was somebody tweeting out, you know, how high PEs are. I'm trying to see, just looking at my feed. Yeah, so if you go onto my feed, Aaron, my Twitter feed, yesterday, 22 hours ago, I retweeted Urban Carmel, which was a very good, you know, point of looking, you know, at PEs, and they were looking at, you know, valuations. And we were talking about where, and people are arguing, we're right back into the 2000 tech bubble here, you know, where, you know, PEs are absurd, everything's nuts, you know, it's all going to crash and burn. I saw that. Look at this chart. Look at this chart, because this is the evidence that this is not the tech bubble, folks. These PEs are not insane. We are not at 47 times the NASDAQ. We were trading 47 times earnings back in the year 2000 when we crashed and was absurd. Right now, we are trading 26. The S&P is trading 19. So are we elevated from PEs? Yes. Sure. Yep. Are we in a bubble of 2,000 epic proportions? not even close so it can expand a lot more so if you're just coming in on valuation saying i'm short nvidia this is stupid just be careful because things can get a lot more stupid i can remember back in like 1997 and 1998 because i was into the markets back then as well and people talking about the absurd valuations and you just got to short this market we know what the nasdaq continue to do 
continue to go from 2,000 to 3,000 to 4,000 to 5,100 before it eventually crashed. So, I mean, just be careful. Don't be early on this short trade. There's no reason to short stocks when stocks are making new all-time highs. Yeah, and I mean, even going back to, I guess, if you want to classify as the, you know, 2021's market as a bubble, you look at some of the stocks that were trading at their all-time highs and where they're at now, and we're still way, I mean, like you look at um, uh, uh, Peloton stock still down 90%, Shopify stock still down 50%, like all these stocks that were the high high growth tech, Asana stock, I mean, Asana, let me check Ooh. that real quick, is still down uh, that was the bubble right there with those stocks. Asana stock is still down 85%. I mean, Asana got up to $140 in yeah. 2021, and it's an $18 stock. So you're seeing like real valuations and fair valuations on those growth companies now. Whereas when we were in that bubble in 2021, when you know Bitcoin was at 65,000 and ARKK was at 150 or whatever it was, that was your bubble right there. Now Things are a little different, but let's get back to the earnings since we still do let's have do a it. few uh, more to get through. Uh, still, let's stay in the chip space. Lamb Research tickle, ticker LRCX. Uh, again, I mean, I don't know if this should come as any surprise. Anything in the semiconductor space, this is kind of uh, one of your more uh, uh, just pick, hot pick and shovel plays. They do a lot of the, the technology behind the semiconductors work with TSM. Uh, reported uh, EPS of seven. 52 versus 710 estimate sales beat 3.76 billion versus 3.71 billion estimate uh stock trading higher this morning i mean again i don't know why you would be short anything in the chip space at this point and, and joel show your charts because this is the example of what i'm talking about here they hit this on the initial numbers and they hit this all the way down to 825 and what happens anything chip they're so hungry for chips the texas instruments report was terrible the stock couldn't go down on it. It barely went down. So LRCX comes out and reports a beat and a pretty decent quarter. And they, the initial algo reaction is it's not good enough. You know what? It is good enough. You know why it's good enough? Because it's an AI play. It's a chip play. And this market is hungry for any of those stocks on dips. Anything to do with chips right now, they're forgiving. When microchip warns, I'm going to keep saying, I'm going to keep using this as an example because I'm trying to paint the environment for you. When microchip warns significantly and the stock rallies up to new highs three days later, that's telling you there is so much underneath demand for anything AI. Right now, people are going to argue, well, Tesla's an AI company. I'm going to argue Tesla's not an AI company right now. It will be an AI company, but right now it's a car company. And that's where they're separating it here. So I don't put Tesla in that group here yet. There will be a time and place to own Tesla. That's why we want to keep coming back to the stock because it's the stock of the day. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are really interested in buying this dip. I don't want to be early here. That's one thing. I don't want to be early. There will be a time and place. I just don't know if it's today on Tesla. Um, but LRCX. You know, the chip stocks, LRCX, yeah. Joel, the chip stocks, they're buying that stuff on dips. Yeah. And I'll just give you the pre-market high, 869.85. And uh, that's that's a potential target, only three bucks away. Not Not much technicals on LRCX. Uh, what do you got for us next on the earnings parade here? Let's do one more from yesterday, then we'll get into some more from this morning. Uh, let's let's get out of the tech sector real quick. Las Vegas Sands ticker LVS strong uh, report EPS slight miss, but sales beat estimates, and the company uh, had some good things to say. And it's called declared a twenty cent dividend. Stock trading higher this morning. 
Uh, Joel, I guess all your I guess all your bets on Michigan to win the title didn't put LVS out of business. Uh, no, 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 no. 52 bucks. We'll keep a good eye on this one. Uh, you hit that in September. Then you had the big, uh, big pullback and then you got up to 51 to 81. That's the high so far this year. So there you go. Potential resistance at 52 bucks for Las Vegas Sands. Just got to take a pick at, uh, win resorts. That's trading up on the news, a buck 71. And I noticed DKNG. Hot in the playoffs, coming back up. New high of the move yesterday. Uh, just kissed that forty bucks. So new high of the move. Pan Super Bowl coming. Yep. I mean, this stock is just seasonality play here too. So where draft this is the big day coming. We're two weeks or three weeks away from the Super Bowl here now. I mean, this is going to be strong into that. Only DKNG right now, and it looks like it's consolidating to go higher here, folks. To be honest, too, I think the stock's going to be above forty dollars here. When we get to Super Bowl time. Yep. And DraftKings working on a deal right now with Barstool Sports, who, of course, left Penn. Uh, we talked about this really? a week or two. Yeah, a week or two ago. But uh, DraftKings, of course, has way more exposure to the mobile gambling space, whereas Penn still has a lot of that physical casino kind of overhead. So if I were playing either, I'd rather be playing DraftKings just because you don't have to worry about uh, that. And you might get this Barstool deal announcement. But Moving Penn, on to some uh, Penn should not be traders because they bought the absolute top in Barstool Sports and they sold the absolute bottom. You know, they lost like the entire range possible here. They sold Barstool Sports basically back for nothing. I mean, Barstool Sports has still got a lot going on. Portnoy is coming back here. He's getting popular again here. And, you know, like that Spit and Chicklets podcast, which is owned by Barstool Sports and Hockey, is awesome to watch. They have so many personalities there. I love Barstool Sports. Yeah, they've got a couple of good programs. Uh, moving on to some earnings from this morning. Been talking about the airline space a lot with uh, Boeing news and whatnot. American Airlines reported this morning uh, sales beat $13 billion versus 13 It's slightly EPS came in at $0.29 cents versus $0.10 cent estimate. Air, American Airlines trading up higher this morning. Pretty much all the airlines are trading up higher this morning. Uh, let's go over to Southwest numbers real quick. A little bit more subdued in Southwest, only up about one and a half percent. But you also had a strong, some strong sales numbers there: six point eight two billion versus six point seven four billion. Uh, just some more airline news. So you did have news yesterday from uh, Boeing that it was, yeah. it was it was a report from Seattle Times that it wasn't Spirit Aerosystems bolts that screwed up when the door flew off. It was Boeing that installed it improperly. Oh, but you also, you actually saw Spirit Aerosystems get a nice little bounce off that move yesterday saying, hey, look, we weren't the problem, just kind of playing some blame game here. Um, but again, Boeing stock trading down this morning again on more news that the groundings could last for, for longer than expected. So, you know, instead of higher for longer, the Boeing planes are going to stay lower for longer. Okay. Grounded again. Yeah. That's trading down five and a quarter. Uh, the AAL, very important area for the bulls here. Uh, as you can see, you peaked uh, at this 1470 area in September. You did it in December. It's also your yearly high. So see if the bulls can mount a bit. And, hey, it's holding up here near the open. I uh, love uh, Southwest Airlines. It's funny when you don't ground flights and have computer problems uh, for a couple weeks. Uh, you're a couple months. Your stock rallies. Uh, let's see if we can get up to the $32 area, identifying multiple highs between 3180 and 32. 
If you bought this thing at 3280, then you haven't been looking at the average daily range in love for like the last 25 years. Got it. Well, we are coming up on time here. Are there any stocks we got to touch on before we wrap? I mean, today? Intel tonight, that's going to be, if you're looking at your earnings calendar here, it's the big one on deck for tonight. 50. There's the smaller bees is going to report. T-Mobile is going to report. But Intel is the one they're going to look at here. Does Intel get the love that obviously other chips have been getting here? I mean, is Intel back? I mean, that's going to be the question here tonight. You know, let's see what it's looking like here. The stock performance has been unbelievable on the comeback trail since October when it got down to $32, back up at $50 here now. It's rallied a long ways. Does it continue to get the love after the report? That's the question. Yep, and we've got a couple other companies, Visa after the close, Capital One, and one that I'll be watching, Western Alliance, ticker WAL. This is, this is one of those regional banks that got absolutely crushed in March with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, still back, not man. still not back at those. Almost, those $7 to $66. You're talking about stocks up 900% from those lows. So there was a few. I mean, they were scary. You know, obviously bought FRC. It was the wrong one. But there was a few that really did come back. Well, hold on, Dennis. FRC's stock is up like 100% the past month. <laughs> what from one dollar to two dollars? <laughs> no, from like from like three cents to like eight. Cents. Oh, three cents to six cents. I, I don't even know. You. I don't What's a symbol? It's I, not, I, when they go off board. I don't even know what is a trade as. Now. Does I, I, anybody I know what know. the FRC symbol? No, is? I I only know because I bought one share in my uh in my like Robinhood. For three and I, cents. I still have it. No, before it went. Oh, oh okay. okay. Now it's OTC markets FRCB. Uh, it's FRCB. Ten, it's, it's ten cents right now. It's up a oh, hundred, hundred and fifty percent in the last month. What uh, a move! They're back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. But either way, I, I have that one share that I just like to watch. That's and, funny. I, and some days it'll be like, oh, that's my only stock that's in the green. But then, my <laughs> 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 um, but all right, guys, thanks for everyone who tuned in to pre-market prep this morning. Thank you to Gordon Johnson, Tommy Lackey to join us. Uh, busy, busy morning with all the different earnings data. Of course, Tesla, your big story of the day. But it's not all bad. It's not all Humana and Tesla. You had IBM uh, with a positive report. Chip stocks continuing to move higher. I mean, the NVIDIA, AMD, the, these these chip stocks. I, mean, I, I don't know what else there is to really to say about them at this point. All right. Uh, tomorrow, you know who we're going to dial up? We haven't spoken to in a while. Tim Quast. Join us. Yeah, Tim's going to join us on tomorrow's show. Uh, wrapping things up, folks, uh, we just made a, uh, a high at 49.18. And there's only one level I can give you on the upside. That's 49.33 and a quarter. Uh, that was your high on yesterday's session. So it looks like Excited the winning streak is going to continue for now. Triple D, Aaron, great job today. Thanks to Gordon Johnson and Tommy Lackey Jr., Everyone have a great day.